all of us probably fit in this place because, one, we've either, hey, we're just trying to make small talk. I just want to start the conversation. I just want to get into this. Or somehow what seems so obvious to everybody else totally escapes us. We misread the signs. We misread the information that's given us. Well, today, and it's what we've been doing all the way through this series, today we're really going to see some people that misread the signs that Christ had given them. They totally missed the point. But it's serious enough that we don't need to be joking and saying, hey, here's your stupid sign. Make sure that you wear it so nobody else wonders what's wrong with you. It's serious enough and important enough for us to stop and really think, are we seeing the signs? Are we really understanding what Christ has for us to understand? And so today, as, as we step into John, we're going to start with his, we're going to look at his sixth sign that he shared. He shared seven in total. And today, we're going to be in John chapter 9. If you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and flip there. I'm just going to warn you up front, we're going to cover the whole chapter. There's 41 verses, and if you've been with me long, you know you're in for a treat. I hope you brought a lunch. There's snacks out there. You're welcome to go get them. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to read all 41 verses. I, I, I had planned to, but man, as this sermon came together, I realized we would be here probably till tomorrow, and so we're going to hit the highlights, but we're really going to deal with the sign and then hit the highlights in the, in the passage that follows the miracle. If you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. The verses will be on the screen. If you've got, if you've got the version Live app, or, or the version app, uh, you can follow us, version Live. All the notes are there. Uh, just get on there, and, and you can follow along. You can find us and follow along there. So anyway, here we go. John chapter 9. We're going to start reading in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Now we're going to stop right there just for a second, and, and I'm going to deal with this up front. A lot of commentators feel like it's important for us to recognize what this as he passed by verse means. And so a lot of people try to connect it to chapter 8. A lot of people say it's a whole other set of circumstances. In chapter 8, Jesus is leaving the temple under the threat of his life. They, they were mad at him. The Jews have gotten angry at him. And he is basically escaping for his life. It's not time for him to die. He's not afraid to die. That's what he came for. But he's leaving because it's not the right time, and so he's leaving the temple. Now, a lot of commentators try and connect this as he passed by, as if Jesus is in a rush and in a hurry and, and running for his life, and he stops and sees this blind man. And some say it's a totally different set of circumstances. I, I want you to recognize today, that's not why John put that in there. He's letting us see. He's not trying to connect it or not connect it. He just simply wants us to see that as Jesus is along his way, whether it's in a moment he's running for his life, or whether it's in a moment where he's going about his daily routine and just walking along, there's a purpose that he came for. There is a work for him to do. And as he's going along, whatever he's in the midst of, he allows himself to be distracted by a man that many people are overlooking. And it says, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not this man sinned, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said these things, he sped on the ground, made mud with the saliva, then anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, he said to him go wash in the pool of Siloam which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. 
<laughs> right there. Boom, that should blow all our minds. This guy was blind from birth. Suddenly he sees there's this magnificent event, of, an event of magnitude, an event that just should just rock our world. It totally defies everything we understand about the laws of medicine. A man who never saw is suddenly seeing. And we don't know exactly what the cause of this man's blindness was from birth. We don't have some sense that he didn't have eyes. We don't have some sense that he didn't have the nerves that, that ran from his eyes to his brain. We don't have some sense that, that there was something wrong inside of his eyes. We, we don't know. But he has never seen a thing. I don't even know that when we talk about him living in darkness, I don't even know that he could really qualify that. Because he has nothing to base the idea of light and dark on. He, he doesn't see anything. He doesn't know what the difference is. He is. He's in this place with no chance of anything different. He's in this place where he has never had any other experience but to have no, no, no sight at all. And Jesus sees him one day on the side of the road, sitting at the entrance of the temple. Wherever he is, Jesus sees him, enters the picture. And in this moment, in this, in this, in, in this moment where, where Jesus stops and deals with this man, we learn that Jesus is the giver of light. He, he's not just, he, he's not just a, a special guy that walked around with great teaching. He's not just this guy that came and, and said, hey, I, I'm, I'm special, follow me. He came giving light. We see it in two ways here. First, he gives the man light. He gives light to the blind man. And like I said, he didn't really have a, a different perspective of light and dark. He didn't know what one was or the other. He'd never seen. He, he didn't know. But Jesus comes into his life, and it's not that he's restoring sight. He's creating something that had never been. He's giving something that had never existed. He's doing this work, and we've seen Jesus heal. In, in the signs that we've studied, we've seen him stop a fever that was going to kill a little boy and, and restore this boy's health. We saw him approach a, a, a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years and restore the strength in his legs, reconstruct the nerves that had been broken that paralyzed him, and give him an ability to walk. We've seen that. But this even goes further. He's making this man, he's making him new. He's converting him from a man who never saw to a man who could see and comprehend. And this is big. This is important. Just remember that this man had gone from a non-seeing man to a man who could see. His whole life was changed. He had become a new man. And Jesus, I, I, this is another significant part of this story, this part of this miracle Jesus saw him. This blind guy probably didn't know who Jesus was other than his, well, I can tell you, he didn't know who Jesus was other than Jesus' reputation. In fact, later when he's challenged about who did this, he's like, um, the man named Jesus. I've never seen him before, so I don't know. I can't point him out in a crowd. I couldn't have gone to him if I wanted to. But Jesus saw him. You know, it, it made me think about it, it, this cartoon that I saw recently. We, 
we approach our walk with Christ and our, our life in Christ as if we had to find him. And recently I saw a cartoon, I brought it, that I wanted to share it with you. Because the, the cartoon at the caption, there's two guys, probably, probably good evangelical Christians, they're standing at a door, and they say, have you seen Jesus? Is it up there behind me now? Okay. Now take a second and look. Have you found Jesus? Almost as if, I'm seeing a few laughs. Are you guys looking? Come on, this is funny stuff. Don't miss this. He's behind the curtain. As if Jesus goes and hides from us. Did you find him yet? Have you found Jesus? As if he hides. Man, this is such a different perspective for us. Something totally new. Jesus saw this man and chose to stop and work in his life. There's a whole work going on in your life, in our lives, before we even see the fruit of it. Jesus saw you. And what, a, what an amazing part of this promise that we have in Christ. Before I even had an ability to respond to him, before I had the ability to go down to the pool of Siloam, Siloam and wash, before he put the clay on my eyes, he saw me. It's huge. Jesus is this giver of light. As he sees fit, as he decides, as he chooses, he gives this light. And it's beautiful. Well, we, don't, we don't have to find the light in the midst of a dark room, do we? In fact, try to hide that darkness. Or, or I'm sorry, try to hide that light in the darkness. That's a much more difficult thing to do. Now, you remember, you remember the song about hiding our light on a, under a bushel basket? No, you know, as kids growing up. Maybe I'm the only one, I don't know. We, we got to work harder to shine. We got to work harder to hide the light than to just let it shine. We've got to actually intentionally try to hide it. Jesus ain't hiding his light, man. Be thankful for that. He comes and he gives it and he bestows it on people. And this guy, man, it's going to rock his world. He, he just bends down, he spits in the dirt, and he puts that clay and the mud on that guy's eyes. And a lot of commentators, they, they deal with, with this, and they, they're like, they have all these reasons. And, and I appreciate that. And I'm not trying to bash on other people who try to give reason to this. I'm just simply saying, I, I can't definitively stand here and tell you why Jesus, in this instance, decided to use clay and put it on this guy's eyes and tell him to go wash in the pool. Other than that's what he wanted to do. I, that's, that's, that's the one reason I can stand definitively on. Why did Jesus use mud and, and tell him to go wash? Because he wanted to. He's going to give this guy light. He's going to give this guy sight. He's going, to, he's going to change his life. I think Jesus is fully capable of deciding how that's going to come to be. He's the one bringing the gift. He's the one with the power. He's the one doing the work. He wanted to do that. That's what he does. He bends. He puts, puts the clay on the guy's eyes. He says, go and wash. And the whole time, maybe, maybe, maybe this guy heard Jesus' voice and recognized it. Maybe he had heard him teaching somewhere before and he could hear and recognize that voice that spoke to him. But look at what the guy does. He doesn't know Jesus. But he gets up trusting what Jesus says and goes to the pool. And that's no small thing either. He can't see yet. 
There's no telling how far he was from the pool. If he was at the temple, if he was at the temple, there was much better places to send him. Jesus had a purpose for sending him to the pool of Siloam. But for whatever case, that's where he told him to go. This place called Sent. He was sent there as Jesus had been sent to him. There's a pretty heavy emphasis on that throughout this passage. But the reality is, is that we see this man respond in trusting obedience. This guy's going to give me my sight. I've never seen a thing. Imagine the hope that wells up inside of him. Imagine what's going on in his heart as he considers something that he has never known is about to be his. Something that he recognizes makes him radically different and, and a pity to the rest of the world around him. This guy is a beggar. I don't know if any of you have a desire to live as a beggar. I don't think that's a life to be desired. I, I don't know many people who are getting out of high school and when you ask them, hey, what are you going to do for a living? What are you going to school for? I'm just going to go be a beggar. We don't aspire to that. That's, that's not what we live for, uh, in, in, at least in most cases. And here this guy is in hope of what's to come. Trusting Jesus, following his command, obeying him. Now, I don't know if you've picked up on it yet. I, I want to make sure you get this before we move too far. I don't know if you've picked up on it. But there's some strong overtones and some strong undercurrents to demonstrate the life of a person who becomes saved by Christ. Huge implications here. Perfect and beautiful parallels represented here. This guy is not just a blind man. He's a man who is going to be saved. We're going to see it more clearly played out at the end of the passage, but, but don't miss it here. His, his blindness, his, his life in darkness, his, his life of lostness clearly represents the life we walk before we are converted and made new by Christ. Clearly, the work that Jesus did is symbolic and representative of the work that he has done in every believer that sits in this room. Before you knew him, before you could see him, you were blind and he saw you. And he came to you. In some way, he revealed his truth to you and he gave you eyes to see and a heart to trust and follow. What a beautiful picture of the salvation that you and I as believers in Jesus Christ experience. And that word experience, it's something that you all own just like this man owned. You see, he's going to grow from this experience. He's going to move forward from this experience just like Jesus Christ continues to work in our life and build upon this experience, this saving faith, this saving moment where we are given eyes to see. Not only did he give light to that blind man, not only did he open his eyes so that he could see, but he gave light to the disciples. The disciples see the blind man. Jesus has got a totally different plan than his disciples have. He sees the blind man, and he already knows, I'm going to give this guy sight. I'm going to do for him what nobody else can do. The disciples see it as an opportunity. Hey, we want to learn from Jesus They've walked with him long enough, I think, that they recognized he would have an answer for them, and so they ask a question. Hey, Jesus, did, did this guy sin or did his parents sin that made him blind? You see, this reveals for us a, a, a perspective in Jewish thought that is still affecting us today. 
we at some level think that God is sitting in heaven and playing tit for tat for every little thing we do wrong and every little failure we make. And so I'm scared to not do something right because he may make my car break down. Or I'm scared to, to, to not do something right because he may make me lose my job. As if, as, as if every sin that we commit is tied to some specific stage of suffering and some difficult circumstance that he is going to rot on us or that he is going to, to, to bring to bear on us so that we just feel his suffering every day and every moment. Now, I... I don't want to say that suffering isn't connected to sin. Obviously, it is. But see, Jesus gives light to his disciples. Did you get it? Good. It was bugging me, man, every time I looked over there. <clears throat> Jesus didn't give light just to, to he, he didn't just give light to this blind man. He's giving light to his disciples in that as they have grown in him and followed him, they still need to have their eyes opened from the darkness that they've always been entrapped in. You see, the Jews, they really believed. They really believed that everything they did and every way that they failed God, he brought some specific set of circumstances to cause them suffering, to let them deal with the consequences, and, and not just deal with the consequences that came from the sin, but to bring upon them extra consequences that they might feel the weight of it. And so, as most Jews would have walked by this blind guy, they would have assumed that he was just completely sinful or that his parents did something horrible before he was born. In one way or the other, they assumed that this was because of they, they just were, they, they didn't have to have pity on the guy because the guy was so sinful or his parents were sinful. Hey, he deserves what he got. We don't care. Let him sit and beg. Hope he makes it. He's blind because he deserves it. And what a harsh, cold, crass attitude, right? And Jesus brings a whole new, whole new picture to this, a whole new thought. And he says, hey, this guy didn't sin and neither did his parents. He's blind so that God's grace can be seen in him. In our culture, suffering is, it's a big question. Suffering and evil in the world, why does God allow it? Why, why, how could there be a good God? How could the God of the Bible exist? Look at this world, it's under suffering and there's evil in it. How could this God exist? That's not much different than the question they're asking. Jesus says, hey, God allows that stuff in our lives so that his grace will be manifest in us. And I, I just saw this post just the other day and a guy had been talking about how he had lost a job. It's shocking. It was shocking to me as I saw it because it lined up so perfectly with what's going on. And I saw the praises of uh, praising God afterwards. But, but man, in the midst of that circumstance, when you find out that you're losing a job, it is so difficult to recognize that maybe this is the grace of God at work in your life. And now as, as this has played out and it's worked together, man, this guy's life is better off than it was before. And he's seen God work. He's seen God provide. You see, the reality is, is that you, if you and I walk through life and we never experience the suffering that comes from sin, because all sin is at some level attached to, every, every suffering and every struggle is attached to sin, maybe just not directly, but had Adam and Eve not fallen, the curse would have never come. 
But if we walk through life with no struggles and no, no difficulties, no, no, no pain and no, no, no disconnect or, or no realization that there's something better, how would we ever see God? How would, we, how would we even know to look for Him? How would we ever recognize that He is the one that brings us power? How would we ever learn to depend on Him? You see, Jesus is giving light to these disciples as he teaches them and continues to grow them spiritually in their faith. Jesus is the giver of light. Not only is Jesus the giver of light, he is the source of this light. He didn't take long to get to this point when he says, hey, I am the light of the world. Without Jesus, there is no healing of this blind guy. Without Jesus, there is no spiritual growth of these disciples. Without Jesus, this all ceases. It all stops. There's only darkness. And I know that's hard for us to comprehend because, oh, we know so much. We've got so much figured out. I mean, come on. We've built equipment that looks off into deep space. We can measure the distance of stars from us. We can, we can make measurements of millions and millions and millions of light years. We can see light bend from that, from that distance we, 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 we know things about our, our, we know for certain now that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. We know it. We figured it out. We're not like those people that just didn't know any better. We got it figured out. We're smart. We have it, we have it going on. Not only can we see from a great distance, but we have equipment and have built equipment that sees the, the smallest of particles. We can even divide them. Break them. Man, we, do, do we really walk in darkness? Every day that the sun comes up and we're without Christ, that's a dark day. That is a dark, dark day. See, Jesus is the source of this light. Because this light, and, and, and this is where we begin to see it, this light that he's talking about, it's not the sun. It's not the, the light that reflects from the sun or from the moon to us. It, it's not this light. It's a light that speaks to so much more. It's a spiritual light. Jesus is the source of this. He's the one that brings it. I mean, it, here's the deal. is that If you and I were, were without Christ, I, I could tell you all day long, this is, I, I've got the most important message from you, and you need to hear it, and you need to know it, and you need to understand it. And I'd bring this message, and it would be like looking at a black screen. But I can't see the message. I can't know the message. I'm like that blind guy. I, I, it's, it's nothing to me. Man, Christ comes in. And he brings this light and reveals this message. I'm not just the light, I'm the way. I'm not just the way and the light, I'm the truth. You want a relationship with God, you've got to know me. You've got to come through me. And suddenly we have this understanding. You see, Jesus isn't just the source of light. He's not just bringing the light to, to simply and, and, and shining the light simply so that we can know it. He's bringing it so that we can understand it. You see, if you, if you read this verse from John 14, 6 and understand it and trust it, it's not because you figured it out on your own. It's because Jesus saw you and he stopped for you. And he put some clay on your eyes and he had you washed in the pool and he gave you a sight to see his light shining brightly. And he's the source of it. That's why we celebrate him. That's why today I, I, I'm not here to celebrate myself and, and present myself as someone to be trusted and followed. That's why I rely on his word. 
That's, that's why it means so much for us to know it. Because Jesus, wow, Jesus is the source. From him, through him, for him. All things were created. Man, he gave this light. He's the source of this light. And this is the very reason Jesus was sent. This is the very purpose he came. Jesus is sent to bring this light. I told you there's a heavy emphasis of, his, of this idea of being sent all the way through this passage. This is the very purpose he came. So that his light would shine in the darkness. So that people could know him. That they could respond to him in one way or another. So that they could not... So that as, as the life around us goes on, his light would shine in the midst of it. And so that we could understand it. Know it. Here's the thing about Jesus' light. Some people, they see it, and they get it, and, and, and they're able to respond to it. Some people are like this blind guy. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't really know who this guy is, but I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe him. I'm going to follow his commands. I'm going to give my life to this. And some people respond as we're going to see played out in these next few verses. And some people that see the light, and they're made to see in the light. And some people see the light and it blinds them. But one thing is certain. Jesus' light will evoke a response. It doesn't demand a response as if it waits for a response. It's not as if it gives us time to figure things out and if we like it or not like it. It evokes a response almost as if this is a natural reaction that every person has and we see it played out as you have had opportunity to see people respond to the light of christ in your own walk but there's there's four people that have responses to what jesus does in this moment there's four groups there's four four people represented and in these responses, we see some very common things, but they sum up in two ways. We'll, we'll look at them first, and then we'll sum them up into two perspectives. Verse 8, the neighbors, these are the people that lived around this blind man. It says in verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And here's the funny thing. They did Either they had ignored him so much when he was blind that they didn't recognize him in this moment, or they just didn't want to admit that it was the guy that they had seen all of his life being blind. <clears throat> but the, the, the neighbors, <laughs> they doubted. Is this the guy? Is this really the guy we've seen? I, I, I don't know. And they're divided. They, they don't know what to do with it. And, and so you know what they decide to do? Well, hey, let's bring him to the authorities. Let's bring him to our religious authority. authority. So they bring him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees see him. And this is how they respond in verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called, his parents of the, called the parents of the man who had received his sight. The Pharisees denied it. The Jews denied it. We're, we're not going to believe you. This man's been blind since he, was a, since he was born. He was obviously known to people that he was blind since he was born. We're just not going to believe it. We refuse to believe it. Have you, ever, have you ever just heard a story that's like, uh, yeah, whatever. I'm going to be nice to your face. 
but I don't believe a word you're saying. These guys weren't even nice to his face. We don't believe you. We're going to do some research. We're going to figure it out. And so what they do is they call the guy's parents. And in the midst of this, in the whole midst of this, this guy continues to give testimony for Christ. He knows what's going to happen. It tells us in this passage, and we're not going to read it, but it tells us in this passage that if anyone called Christ the Messiah, that they were going to be dissynagogued, they were going to be unsynagogued, they were going to be removed from the Jewish people. They, they were going to lose their heritage. And, and so here, here this man is, and he gives testimony to this guy, and they're like, we just refuse to believe it. Let's get his parents in here. Let's call this guy's parents. I think he's lying. And so his parents show up, and they say, hey, is this your son? Here they are in verse 20 through 23. His parents answered, we know that this is our son, and he, who was born. Yep, that's the guy. He, he was at our house last night. We fed him dinner because he can't do anything for himself. We know that's him. We know that he was blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus, Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. They were so afraid of people. They were so afraid of men. That they just flat. They just flat crumbled. They wouldn't have anything to do with it. Now, I don't know about you. I, I, I have, um, in, in my life, I've had a pretty decent relationship with my mom, not so much with my dad. There's things in works now that, that looks like there's some good reconciliation coming. But the reality is, if something good had happened to me, you know one of the first people that's going to find out about it? My mom, my parents. Don't, don't you call your parents if something good happens to you? Do you think that this guy just didn't go home and hey, mom and dad, I can see. Can you believe it? I came all the way here by myself. I'm going to cook dinner for you tonight. I'm going I'm to go out and chop some wood, dad. Do you think that he didn't have anything to say to his parents? And here his parents are so afraid of the Jews. They crumble under the pressure. They are fearing man. And then... The Pharisees, you know, they're stuck now. They're stuck because they didn't want to believe that this guy had been blind, but now they've got the testimony of the parents. Yeah, this is really our son, and, and he was blind, but we don't know how he sees. Well, now they're stuck with this testimony, so they've got to do something else. So they bring the guy back in, and they investigate or interrogate him again. Hey, tell us again how you came to receive your sight, and he tells them. This man, Jesus, he, he put clay on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and, and wash, and I did, and I could see. He's already told him at one point that he thinks he's a prophet, that, that he believes Jesus is a prophet. And they're, they're just, they're, they're not liking this at all. And then in the midst of all of this, they, they call Jesus and they demand that Jesus is some evil, sinful dude. And this man, knowing that he could be unsynagogued, removed from the synagogue, removed from his culture and heritage, totally denied by the people that he has called family for all of his life, stands up for Jesus. Why are you guys so interested, he says. Do you want to be his disciple too? Well, that makes him angry. And this is how they respond. The Pharisees rejected it all. They just flat out in one decisive act completely rejected Jesus 
and they cast this man out. It says in verse 34, they answered him, you were born in utter sin. You see that perspective? You're a sinful guy, and that's why you were blind. You were born in utter sin. And they're just using these words to try and, try and overwhelm him with it. And you would teach us. You know, these guys, they thought they were righteous. They had, it, they, they had it all figured out. They knew the answers. They didn't need light. You would teach us. Who would choose? Who do you think you are? You would teach us. They cast him out. And here this guy is, cast out. But the beauty of it is, is that he was not alone. He wasn't left and abandoned. In verse 35 and 38, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Some translations, I think the King James especially, says the Son of God. And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Here, here it is, uh, just more light. More opportunity for this guy to see and to understand. And what happens? He believes and he worships. And there's two responses really demonstrated clearly here. There's responses of rejection because whether you're crumbling under the fear of man, whether you're just trying to doubt it and, and come up with other answers and passing it off to someone else, or whether you're flat out rejecting it like the Pharisees did, the fact is you're denying it. You're passing it off. You're ignoring it. You're turning your back on it. You're closing your eyes to it. Here the signs were all over the place. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And just like these people today that we make jokes about that wear these stupid signs, these people were totally misreading everything that was going on around them. Even decisively deciding, even decisively acting to reject in spite of what they know to be true. But here this man is with really the only proper response, belief and worship. And when it says he believed, it, I, I don't like that word for us in English. It's not, that it's not a good translation. Don't, don't hear me saying that. But when we talk about believing in things, we talk about believing in Santa. Like, oh, I believe he's real. Well, if you believe in, San, or believe in Jesus the way you believe in Santa, you've got problems. Because it's been proven he's real. He's a historic man. Don't, he can't be denied. Even people that have tried to, to deny his existence have been proven wrong by, by people who don't believe in him, who don't trust him. You see, this, this word, it talks about a trust. It, it's the trust that moved this guy from standing unable to see and walking to a pool that he had to stumble to, that he had to feel his way to. It's the trust that then led him to trust and hear these words from Christ, I am the one. And he trusts it, and he worships. He adores the Christ as he stands there in front of him. This light has just begun to overwhelm him. And here in this moment, we recognize a faith that saves because the light of Christ has revealed him. You see, that's the beauty of this whole passage. It all comes to this place for us, this, this one place. As we bring application and as we strive to walk in this and in response to it. It's really a simple question. It's a question that we ask a lot around here. What are you going to do with Jesus? The signs have been shown. The light is shining. 
It's undeniable. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to step into that light and begin to walk in it? It's as simple as trusting his words and walking in obedience and turning your life to adore him in worship. Are you going to shut your eyes tight? It can't be him. I'm not going to believe it. You know, he hasn't given me enough evidence yet. I think I'll just wait. If you're waiting on evidence, you'll never have enough. The light is shining. Don't misread the signs. Don't miss the light. Don't, don't look away from it. Look, look, look into it. Step into the warmth of it. Walk in it that you might see what's truly in front of you. Or are we like the Pharisees? And Jesus confronted them with this at the end of that passage in verse 41. Maybe it's so desperate a situation that we're not just going to close our eyes to it, but we are going to be literally blinded by it. You see, the truth is, is that some people are made to see by the light. And some people, it's proved that they are totally blind by the light. The Pharisees had all the information they needed. They had the law, they had the prophets, they had the teachings, they, they had the history, they had the covenant. They had the sacrifices. They had it all. And yet when their Messiah stood in front of them, they were blinded by his light. Man, don't let that be you. If you're sitting in here today and, 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 and you don't recognize Christ as your Savior, you've never truly trusted him, and, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, as a kid you walked down an aisle and said, I believe in Jesus, but it's never shown fruit in your life. Maybe, just maybe, today is the day to step into the light and really trust it and turn your life to a life of worship of that Christ that gave you the sight to see. Maybe, just maybe, today's that day. Don't misread these signs. Jesus came giving light. He's the source of that light. He came for the very purpose of enabling you to see, of enabling you to understand what's in the light. And now maybe there's somebody here today that he's calling to walk in it to turn from all that there is in the world, to be willing to be cast out of everything there is that you might step into the light, believing and worshiping. And, and maybe, just maybe, I think it's very likely that there's disciples here today that have walked with Christ and just need to understand more and have a deeper understanding and, and be taught from the light. I think it's likely that we're here today May you read these signs well as Jesus shines his light into your life. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. Uh, we are grateful because we know there would be darkness. We know that there would be no hope there. We know that there would be no answer. That you have sent your son for the, for the very purpose that we might get to see him. And in turn, see you. Oh God, would you in this moment just rest in our hearts, just fill us full, those that believe in the promises you've made, in the experience we've had as we've been made to see God, and to be taught in the moment that we may continue to walk forward. 
God, would you, would you awaken the hearts of those that maybe haven't seen you before that walk in darkness? Help them see that their, that their answers, that their, that their problems, that their, that their issues in life, that their struggles may very well just be simply be being used to demonstrate your glory and be being used for their good. God, would you help us in this moment, wherever we're at, God, I know your spirit knows intimately the issues of every person in the room. Would you show us what you have for us today? We thank you, Father. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.